Hey guys, welcome to the Sunrise and Shine podcast. My name is Steven, and I'm here with Zach. Zach. And we also have Ariel with us. Ariel is actually on remote, so we'll be trying to make sure that the recording picks up anything she adds to our conversation today. So Ariel, thank you for joining us by remote today um, for the podcast. Also, (laughs) FYI, as those who've listened to the podcast probably have heard me say, we record live on Facebook um, at the same time we record the podcast. So we have a group of folks joining us live on Facebook. They will not be able to be heard, but they will probably add thoughts to this that we may mention uh, as we go. So obviously we want to start with our our um, kind of our theme, you know, Awaken Church, our church plant that we're doing in, in Natchitoches, Louisiana, is all about the awakening that God has put in our lives. And so our question that we kind of always kind of wrestle with to start with um, is what has God awakening in you? Um, so let's just start with that. Can you can you give an answer? What's what, what has got awakening in you? Um, I think, man, it's kind of hard to sum up in this past week. It's crazy. <laughs> I think to be honest with you, um, the need for for friendship, the need for for people to be around you to uplift you, um, to not isolate yourself when things happen. And, mm. and don't tend like because I tend to isolate myself a lot when things happen or things don't go my way, and I'll just be like, I don't, wanna, I don't want to be around anybody. Nobody touched me. Nobody talked to me. And so a lot of things have gone wrong this week at work, and uh, more than they have in the past. Mm. And so if it had, if it hadn't been for some of the good friends that I have that I work with that know me personally and and calm me down sometimes, I'd right. probably be without a job. Wow. So the need for friendship is stupid important. Right. And you know, that um, for me, and that, that highlights too a, um, a, a really, we need solitude. That's part of our, the yeah. human the human creation. We It's a part of our DNA as humans that there's a, 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 a solitude that we need, but solitude and isolation are totally different things. Yeah. Um, and we think about it, like sometimes we'll hear like isolation and go, well, you know, I'm not a people person. I like to. You know, right. and I know people like that, and actually, my wife is kind of like that. She <laughs> she likes her sol- She needs her solitude. It's actually how she recharges. Um, but um, solitude is t- for you know quietness to regain your thoughts yeah. to get. Well, some- there's a difference Iso- between Iso- isolation and solitude. In isolation, nothing happens, but that's except that's negative, and when you're yeah. isolated, because you get so inward focused and inward drawn that you you fail to. Um, have those outward I don't want to use the word vibes because that's very not how I usually talk about things but you know it's kind of like that's really what it is though it's like you find a connection you, you yeah. sense others around you and solitude helps um, you do that speaking um, of friendship Gabby just said hey hey so, Gabby Gabby's a friend of Awaken yeah I haven't seen her in a while I don't see a friend yeah. of Awaken she's a family member yeah right even though she moved yeah. away that's what I was telling um, last on the last podcast. I was talking with Madison. It was like just because you moved to Shreveport doesn't mean you're not in the family anymore. You're still part of the family. Um, yeah, um, yeah. You know, for me, answering that question is um, it's like a continuation of an awakening of how different actual following Christ, you can use their Christianity, but that has set so much baggage to it now. Um, but actually being being a Christian and what being an American Christian yeah. are totally different. And I'm reading a book right now, um, and it's and uh it's uh I forget the top of my head, it's it's blank. Um, but it's about how um, corporate America 
created Christian America, and um, it's it's a it's a history yeah. book, and it's very if you don't like history, you'll hate it because it's all it is. It's straight yeah. up history, um, and it's got a, a few things in it that are kind of slanted, uh, which probably every history book is slanted according to the historians point of view um and so there's a couple things in there that i read i was like i don't really know that that was the heart behind certain things but it's like you know the way of christ is not yeah the same thing as Amer- americanized church well, when you so. look at corporate america these days the terms like family-owned christian company mm. sells yeah, you know, it, it's not even about your your corporate might not even be made up of Christians or comprised of Christian beliefs, but it sells to people that live in the country or in rural areas or just in the Bible Belt in general. Yeah, you know, we're a family-owned Christian company. Um, I'm a family man. I go to church. I believe in God. You should vote for me. Oh you know, yeah, like that. It just sells. It does. Yeah. So yeah, you know. and that's what's really and it's not a new awakening. Um, it's just a continuation. Like I said in this book that I'm reading. Um, shout out to my friend Stacy who sent me the book after she read it. She's actually a history professor out in Washington, um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's full of um, just reminders that Jesus <laughs> Jesus didn't didn't start an empire. He didn't really even start a a, a, a religion. Um, he started a revolution of the heart, and yeah. that's what really to follow Christ is all about. Um, yeah. And that's that's just that's just the bottom line. So anyway, that's that's that one. Um, Ariel. Ariel, you got anything on that before we jump on to the, the, the crazy stuff? Um, I guess kind of like what I told you today. Uh, today, like being a Christian kind of has a negative connotation to it nowadays. Yeah. Um, because everybody associates Christians with just all kinds of anti-advancement uh, in today's society. So I feel like uh, a lot yeah. of people just don't want that that negative connotation attached to them and have those negative thoughts someone to think of them like that yeah so. yeah right I, I think on on the flip side of that you know there, there's it, it's like every time you tell somebody you're a Christian these days and they're not a believer you always get the same reaction and it's like oh you're one of those guys. oh 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 you know oh well, I didn't know that about you <laughs> yeah and it's like but it's like Ariel said you know Christians are labeled as as haters, right? You know, the yeah. only thing we do is it's hate, true. You know, and sadly, most Christians are. Well, you know? but yeah, and again, I had to. I want to. I want to redeem and, and take back what something. I mean, take back something that hell has stolen, and hell yeah. hell has stolen the term Christian. Like now, it's got this negative connotation, and it means like Christ, little Christ. And there's so many things that are done, kind of in the name of Christian. Christianity are the Christian church that are nothing like Christ. And yeah. so it's like, you know, um, just today I was listening to, to a, a, uh, somebody do a podcast and he was talking about his, his upbringing and his family and his two moms and then his relationship with Christ and his walk with that and his rejection from all kinds of sides, but also seeing hate from people like, here's the church um, holding up signs and, and spraying urine on people who are marching in a, in a in just their their own fashion. And I'm like, that's not like Christ. He wouldn't do that. He didn't do that. He doesn't ordain that. He doesn't okay that. It is not Christianity. Yeah. That's something else. It's not Christianity. Um, that's It's hate. And hate has nothing to do with the way of Jesus. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I totally am with yeah. where Ariel is. I, and that was 
a few years ago, I actually stopped using the word Christian. Um, and uh, I, I, I grew out of that, matured enough to realize, you know what, it needs to be brought back. There's nothing wrong yeah. with the term, um, and it's not the culture's fault that, that the negative connotations are there. It's the people who have perpetrated, and it's actually not most. Like you know, I, I yeah. think that's the perception that we get, and I, I've had that. It's like, well, it, most Christians are this like way, most, you know? but, but mm-hmm. when you are, that's because we're in the, we're in Louisiana. I mean, we're yeah. in the South. We're like the 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 <laughs> the, the overhang of the bible belt <laughs> like yeah. because of all the food that we eat in the south but i mean it's like yeah and so uh, um it, yeah it's crazy um the, i want us to redeem that we're in the beer gut of the bible, we're in the belt. Beer gut of the bible belt that's us beer gut of the bible belt you heard it here folks <laughs> that's like that needs to be a sermon i mean i think everything needs to be a sermon right so actually i don't think i'm going to do this next question and I was asked this question um, this week when I said, you know, hey, what are some things? Somebody sent me this message and said, what's the strangest thing anyone has said to you as a pastor? And so I made my top ten list. And actually I posted it on my Facebook page today with no explanation. I just said, here's the here's the top ten things, strangest things that people have actually said to me as a pastor with no a context and so I'm sure and I'm like and I said oh by the way the context I'll be recording the podcast and go on Facebook Live to uh, give you the context later so hopefully some of the folks have been uh, <laughs> instead of just making up your own stories Man, I've been wondering about some bad. of this stuff I'm not gonna lie Zach's been wondering all day some of them are he, crazy he saw my post like several hours ago and he's like oh my gosh what happened so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna start with number ten I'm gonna do a countdown countdown oh. version I decided to do my top ten do a countdown version. And I'll give you the story of, of how each one happened. I will not name any names. So if some of you are on here right now and I see a couple of names on the feed, I'm not going to mention your name. <laughs> but just know those who are listening that um, if you're watching on Facebook Live, there's some people watching right now who may have said or some of this. You never know. Um, so the first number 10 is Pastor is Swole. <laughs> S-W-O-L-E, Swole. Pastor is Swole. Um Exactly. See, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. This is this is just a couple of years ago, right? Swole, like yeah. Swole, swole means must like like you've been in the gym. That's what it means. I didn't know that. I actually I was speaking at a, a youth camp. And this was right after we moved here to Natchitoches, and I was asked to come speak at one of our camps at Camp Pollock. Um, and I so to youth. So I come down and and I walk in, and there's these kids. Um, these were all like I think eighth and ninth graders. And uh, this group of boys turned around, and they're like, "Oh, you like, yeah, I'm the pastor. I'm I'm the one speaking tonight." And they're like, "Oh, pastor swole," and I was like, "I didn't know what they were talking about." I literally was like, "Is that? Did they just say something inappropriate to me? I mean, what's what? I don't know." So I had to Google it. I Googled swole. What'd you call me? Yeah, what'd you call me? Uh, yeah, I googled swole, and it was like, oh, okay. So they they see it used to be like, oh, I see you work out, but now yeah. it's now it's you're swole. So yeah, um, yeah, that that was one. Of, that's a tame Dang one. Old youth and their confounded new terms. <laughs> Tell you what, bad <laughs> Yeah. So now we know, Pastor Swole. All right, number nine. Uh, you can't plant a multicultural church here. I was told that that's that was one of the and, you know I, for me that was really a strange thing to say because I was told almost word for word the exact same thing on two yeah. different occasions during the same week from two different people who were actually pastors 
of churches. Um, and I've, I've, I've never heard that said in an academic... Well, I haven't had that said directed towards me, but I've heard it said in multiple conversations with pastors in Natchitoches. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, they yeah. said to me because I said right up front, I'm like, we have a, a vision that God's given us. We think God's given us a very specific vision for the kind of church that Awakened Church is to be. Um, it's to be a, a missional church, first and foremost. Missional being it's about the mission of Jesus, not about anything else, not about the doctrine, the heritage, and all that. It's about the mission of Jesus. That's yeah. number one. That's why unchurched people are so high up on our radar. Like We want to make connections and love people um, who are unchurched or dechurched because God's given us a mission. It's, that's the first thing. The second thing was um, we'll be a multiplying church. In other words, we're a church plant being planted by a, a, tr- a a network of churches, um, and we see ourselves as being a catalyst for planting other churches, like not just a church plant in Natchitoches, but from here we'll plant churches in, in Leesville or Alexandria, Lafayette, um, places where we've actually had churches that have been part of our tribe, part of our network, but aren't there now. And you know, we feel like through Awaken that this is going to happen. Um, and that's a, and then the, and again, these are all M's by the way. And the third M was multicultural. Like when we did the, when I did all the research, but it took me a year and a half before we actually moved here. Um, I found very, very clearly, this is a multicultural town. Um, it's over 50% African American. Um, and so we're actually minorities in this, in this community. Um, being this this color skin, and so I'm like, well, a, a church should reflect the community it's in, and a church should reflect the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a very multicultural yeah. community. It's a multicultural yeah. family. It's a multicultural kingdom. And if you um, don't believe that, then you should listen to Peter's struggle with preaching to the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that'll in, change uh, your world. Yeah, in Acts, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a definitely good. You, you see that because there is no such thing as a white church and black church, and I know people disagree with that. Um, I think it's perpetrated, and I think it's a it's a lie that we've bought into that we have we have white church and we have black church and we have Hispanic church. There's just ecclesia, which means the people of God. There's just that. There's not a we break it down. Even de- denominations, that's a whole other conversation. But when I was told um, by two different pastors with two different skin colors, well, you can't plant a multicultural church here, um, it really took me as something strange that, that I would be told um, from people who, are, who, who I would think get the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, but that, that statement in and of itself doesn't even, like, it negates the mission of what Jesus taught. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> absolutely, it also shows your complete disregard for carrying the mission any further. Oh, well, yeah. it's just never going to happen here. So yeah. let's just give up. Right. You know, yeah. that, that's ridiculous. Right. So that that's number nine for those playing at home. Um, number eight statement, strange statements that were made to me as a pastor. <laughs> I was going to try and do the voice. You Do it with your, your old person voice. What do you mean? This, that one? Yeah. What's Harry Potter doing in the church? <laughs> Don't you know that's about them dadgum demons and devils? Okay, so it didn't quite sound like that because it was it was a, a a woman and she was in South Florida, but it was very it was similar. Um, I actually was I was associate pastor in South Florida and I had numerous opportunities that our pastor there gave me to preach and um, which that's another that's one of the ones coming up that yeah. that's where it came from. Um, but but he gave me this opportunity to, to preach and I had to I had this sermon where it was like Harry Potter. 
uh, this scene in the very first Harry Potter movie where um, Hagrid comes in and kicks down the door and says, "Harry, you you're think you you think you're nothing. You think you're you know you're you're a nobody, but you're a somebody, Harry." And that was like, "Boom, man! That's like that's what God does. That's the Holy Spirit. That's you know." And so I'm like. So I showed that clip. Real, it was like a minute, you know, in church, a clip of the movie, and then I like did this, did this sermon, this talk on, um, on how God comes to us, and when we feel like we don't matter, maybe we're the yeah. stepchild, maybe we, we're, maybe we live under the under the stairs in a cupboard or something like that. That He comes and kicks the door down and says, "You're somebody special. Come with me, um, and let me show you how to be your real self, your true self." And um, after the sermon, I'm like. People like us, I mean, this, this church was probably about 140 people, and they were all like, oh, that was fantastic, awesome. You know, they're coming by, they, like they do in church, church, shake yeah. your hand, you know, good sermon, pastor, that kind that of thing. That was a good word right yeah. there. And so they're all coming by and everything, and this one they stops, and she goes, I just want to know, what's Harry Potter doing in our church? And I was like, I mean, it was such a positive vibe, it just took me back, Her the way her negativity just flowed from her. And I was like, um... Did you hear the sermon? And like, like, it, I mean, I, I get it. It's like Harry Potter is not an evil. Uh, 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 I love know, Brad. It's not, it's not a. It's not a because because I was involved in Wicca and no quite yeah. and it was very kind of involved with some witchcraft back back in another life. And um, Harry Potter is not witchcraft. It's yeah. science fiction. And it's pretty good storytelling. And if you get all the way to the end, Harry Potter is the story of redemption and, and sacrifice. Yeah. For others, it sounds very much like the story Brad of Coates. Jesus. Brad Coates is my favorite comment. What does he say? What he he said, say? "How could you promote witchcraft in church? How could you? How could you? I don't know. I read a story about his comments uh, always get me about King Saul going to the witch of a witch of Endor. Maybe I should use. Yeah. Maybe I should preach that sermon. That's yeah. that's in the Bible. I mean, you know. Yeah, we, we, uh, we don't touch that one. Yeah, I, actually, I <laughs> preached on that at Awaken once. <laughs> that, that was a whole nother story. That wasn't the main. That was not the main topic, but it was part <laughs> of the story. Yeah, number seven. Um, here, this was said to me uh, as in the context of being a pastor. I don't care if you boo me, pastor. I'm Catholic. Um, and out of context, that sounds really like <laughs> wow. Like, what, what in the world? So. <laughs> The church I pastored in Arkansas, we had a fundraiser because we were had a mission trip we we're about to go on, uh-huh. and the fundraiser we had connections with a um, an independent in that area wrestling group, professional wrestling. Yeah. So these are all an independent wrestling is still a thing, and so they what they did and they actually promoted themselves as being a Christian organization. So what they said was, we can come in for the set. Here's a set price, and then. Um, whatever you charge and concessions and all that will be will help you raise funds. It's basically we'll do a fundraiser for you, yeah. and here's a prize. It's very low, and our wrestlers that'll come they 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 do it because they love to do it. They'll all get paid something, but it's not like they're expecting to come and get paid like you know yeah. the Rock or, or John Cena. So actually, the only guy who was there who might be known was a guy named Brandon Groom. Um, he's an independent wrestler out of Oklahoma. Um, he has actually been on TV on, I think on SmackDown. He wrestled a guy named, um, Wade Barrett many years ago now on TV. Um, I don't think he actually really had a contract to wrestle with WWE, but anyway, he was there. He was like the main draw because he was actually legit. The rest of the, everybody else was, they were good. It was a good show and everything, but this guy who was, he was a villain. He wasn't the main bad guy of the show, but he was definitely a villain and he was this Hispanic guy. And here's the funny thing. 
Um, this was when Christian was, Christian was probably 15 or 16 when this happened. And so we had been, because I'm the pastor of the church, and we're holding this in our gym. Yeah. You know, And so I had been, when they all got there, you know, I'm the guy, I'm one of the people there greeting them and making sure they have water or whatever they need and, and uh, you know, trying to show them the layout of everything. And they're all, like, very respectful. Oh, man, you're the one that's, you, you know, you're allowed us to do this. We love to do this. Thank you for allowing us to do what we love to do. And and so this guy, I met him along with all these other folks backstage, quote, backstage, and he was like super friendly and we talked and he was like just asking a bunch of questions about our church and all this stuff so when he comes out for his match i mean i'm sitting christian and i are sitting on the front row obviously and uh and there's all these people that were there for this and uh and everybody's booing because he's like the bad guy right and he looks right at me like like right i mean like right at me with and he's got his microphone he's giving his little like spiel and he goes i don't care if you do boo me pastor i'm catholic <laughs> and i was like <laughs> It makes a little crazy, bit more sense than the crazy, first time I heard it. Strange <laughs> stuff that people say to you in the context of being a pastor. Yeah, because if you just like say that's that's what somebody said to me, like, why am I booing somebody that's Catholic? It's not that I wasn't. I was booing him because he was the bad guy. Number six on our countdown is um, this is the first of two that include the F bomb. Uh, I hope your whole effing church burns down. That was that was a quote. Somebody told you that? Like, yep. For real? Yep. We had a food pantry, oh, man. and part of that when the food pantry started, it included um, a basically like a um, Goodwill. We had, you know Salvation good used kind of used clothes and stuff, but we gave yeah. we got people to take it for free, and we didn't realize okay we got to make a limit here because we did actually have a couple of people who were coming and getting stuff for free from our food pantry. Not was not food, but clothing items, and then taking them to their little resale shop. And making money, and I'm like, we're trying to help people here. So you know, that's kind of so we had a they made a rule how much how much you could actually take, which makes sense because you know you're got you know 100 200 people coming that might need a jacket, might need gloves, might need a pair of pants, and if you come in and scoop it all up and take it down to your resale shop, um, you're basically taking Jesus's stuff he's trying to give to people and trying to make a profit off of it. And this was all, we were totally making it free. So there was this lady that came in. She had done this before. And um, there was a rack that they had all these purses on. These big bag, like bag, like the big bags the ladies yeah. carry. Not like a little pan purse, but a big bag. And there was a, it was like several of these, like eight of these big bags, um, like purses. And so next thing you know, this lady is stuffing. She's got like four of these big bags. And she's stuffing it full of clothes. And um, and it was like the thing was you could take like you know four items you could you know four out four big items you could carry or something like that. She's like, no, these are my bags. I brought them in when she was asked about this. And so one of the people running the food pantry said, um, those are not bags you brought in because I just set up the bag display bef- right before we opened. I know those bags were on the bag rack and you need to leave because we're trying to help people here and you're you're causing us some, some issues and trying to actually help people. So this lady, and I'm trying to, she actually had a box of food and another guy was carrying her food out for her. I mean, this is, we're carrying your food out. You've yeah. got the stuff you were trying to, you know, you like take advantage of and you're going out and she turns around like to me standing right there and she says i um i hope the whole effing church burns down she was so mad that she couldn't take more stuff um so so yeah as a as a pastor i've what I've, is wrong with people man? i have no idea but well i do have an idea but i remember uh, when i was in like middle school or something like that right i volunteered at a place uh 
uh, every week, kind of like that. Um, and they actually had to start making a rule for how many clothing items you can take, and uh, eventually had to had to like start charging some people for some of the stuff because they wow. would just come in and take you know however much. Yeah. And uh, I remember how like they did their food. Um, certain people qualified for certain amounts of food so they would come in with like vouchers and everything um, and we would have the food already packed up in bags ready for them to go Yeah. but uh, certain people with like yeah. depending on how many kids they had in their household got uh, determined like how much food they got to like take home and stuff like that and I remember like a lot of people coming in and causing problems yeah. uh, while I would work there sometimes right yeah see we, we had a thing in Natchitoches uh, when I was a kid and it was a program at, so you know the Nazarene church right by all the dentist offices? Yeah. Well, out of that church, they had a program called Angel Food. Right, right. And, I know about Angel yeah. Food. And so Angel Food would supply boxes based on, you know, you pay them a flat rate of like 25 50 bucks or whatever, and they give you this box, the size depending on how much you pay for it, of food, but it's all disc, like super discounted. Right, yeah. So that way people that, you know... And they told us that the reason that they charge for it is so that people feel like they actually paid for it. Right. You know. Yep. And it's not like they're profiting. It's, that's it. a good program, too. Yeah, they yeah. didn't profit. So uh, Angel Food didn't profit. We would pick up Angel Food. Um, yeah. But, we, I mean, we never had any problems like that. Right. You know, but. Yeah. And that was, you know, few and far between. And that was one of the couple of people that, that got upset about stuff like that. But that, I'll never forget that lady just turning right around. And I'm yeah. like, really? I mean, you have help and we're actually carrying your box of food yeah. out to your car for you and yeah. you're gonna cuss us out yeah. and hope well, our, not only that yeah. if our church burns down you stop making yeah. a profit well so, they did we did have a fire a little bit later but i mean it had nothing to do with taking the clothes and <laughs> yeah uh, number five again with the f-bombs um f this was like really angry f you and this church um Okay, they let Nile out. So everybody listening on the podcast, and you hear the noise. That's <laughs> just went behind the that's, our, that's my son Nile, who has autism, and he's driving a car or something in in his brain, in his mind. Only he's out loud. So if you ever like, oh man, here's 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 one of those things that's like you know you're an autism parent if you're. If you have a child who cannot stand loud noises, but it's their loudest child, that's him. Um, loud noises he can't take, but he makes more. He's constantly making noise, as you just heard. Um, yeah. So yeah, the number five I just was getting to was um, F you and this church. So um, the story goes that this couple dropped by the church and wanted <laughs> wanted, wanted money. Uh, the story was, I, I don't remember now because it's been a few years ago. Um, this was not in Natchitoches because this was when I actually uh, had an office in a church building facility. Um, and it, so it was in a different state. Actually, it's the same state in Arkansas because we had the food pantry. And so they, they came by and he asked if I had uh, could give him some money for gas. And uh, I told him I could not give him any money for gas because, one, um, the church does – we do not keep cash on the premises. And, two, I do not have any cash. Yeah. And he's like, that's the problem with churches today. You don't help anybody. And I said, uh, actually, we do help people every time. We have a food pantry. And, and actually, I actually told him. the gas station. Actually, I told – well, I couldn't do that because they didn't have any money. I was right. like, I'm broke, dude. I'm, just, you know, I'm, like, I'm like most of us. I get paid. I pay my bills. 
And I don't have money. I don't yeah. have money till my next yeah. paycheck. That was it. And um, and I told him I don't have any cash on me, and we do not keep cash on the church premises. Um, but we do help people because we have a food pantry. And we help you know 150 people plus on a month. Uh, and if you need help, I can go down here and fix you up a box of food right now um, from the food pantry. And he's like, I don't want your effing food. F you and this church. And uh, walked out the door. And his wife did apologize, though, on the way out. Um, but this was like on a, on a weekday um, in the afternoon in your church building. Um, you don't know about these things that happen during the week at the church building with the, yeah, when the pastor's there or the crazy. church secretary or whatever. Luckily, the church secretary wasn't there and had to put up with that because that would have been my wife at the time. And not, that would not have been very good for her to have to deal with. But I was just like, yeah. okay. Um, See, that, that's like for those guys that I get at the gas station that are always like, hey, man, can you give me like 10 bucks to get some gas? And I'm like, yeah, pull your car over here. Yeah. No, nah, man, it's parked over there. I, you know, I ran out of gas, so we got to push it. But if you could just give me the money, I'll take care of it. Right. All right, cool, man. But what you're not understanding is I'll get you some gas. Right. But I'm not going to buy you some beer. Right. You know, yeah. and it's like the same way with like I had a dude in Dallas when I was living in Oak Cliff. I bought a cheeseburger for him at McDonald's, and I asked him, you know, do you want everything on it? And he's like, yeah, cool. And so I sit down and eat, and I guess he thought that I was getting mine to go to and that I was going to leave. So he waits about 10 minutes and then comes back in and starts pitching a fit, and is like, here's my receipt. I paid for this. Y'all made it wrong, and I don't want another sandwich. I want you to give me my money back. Wow. And so I had to, like, get up and tell the lady at the register, hey, look, I paid for that cheeseburger. Wow. You don't have to give him back anything. Wow. And it's like, people do crazy crap like yeah. that. And what that is, that's like a small percentage. It's again, it's like we're talking about earlier. Christians get a bad rep because there's a small percentage that makes it feel like the majority of Christians are anti this and anti yeah. that. But now there's a small percentage of people who do stuff like that to try and take advantage of stuff. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest. I mean, after both of those things, I spent some time being jaded. Like, what? Why? Why do we do this? Why are we helping people? And this yeah. is the feedback. Well, it's like because of the hundred and uh, you know hundred other people who were very thankful and yeah. and showed grace to, for the grace they received. Yeah, um, yeah. It's real easy to get to the point where, man, I've heard everybody's story. I've heard it all. I've heard people getting you know in wrecks and their brakes don't work anymore. Can you help me fix my brakes? Um, yeah. I need a ride to the airport, but oh, the yeah. airport isn't a drug dealer's house. You know, right. you, you know, and it it is what it is. You hear all kind of crap. And then you start thinking, well, everybody's story must be false. Yeah. And so when somebody comes around that legit needs help, right? You're not able to help. You don't want to fall in that you trap, know. right? Yeah. So. There's, a, I think there's, a, for me, it's like the gas thing you're talking about. That's like the number one thing I've always been asked. Can you help me with some gas money? Nope, but I can help you with gas. Yeah. Um, I have, I mean, I don't know how many times, tons of times, um, said, yeah, follow me to the gas station, meet me at the gas station, um, and I'll, I'll put gas in your car. And they didn't like twice. They did. And it was the yeah. same person twice who had the same story almost a year exactly. Um, I think they forgot they came and gave me this story about their dad being sick in Dallas or else yeah. their dad really got sick twice in Dallas and had the exact same story and they, yeah. they needed gas well, at the I mean, same time, you know, both times. It happens. That um, can happen. <laughs> right. But if you catch me next week and you tell me the same exact story. Right. Go ahead, Ariel. I remember uh, I was in Alexandria and I went to Michael's one day uh, and I had a man come up to me. He didn't ask for money. He asked if I had any food left over in my vehicle, anything that he could eat. Wow. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And I didn't have any money to give him to get food. 
So, uh, when he, I started putting the stuff in my truck, and I saw him walk up to the trash can outside Michael's and started rummaging, rummaging around in it, trying to find food. So, I uh, drove up to the KFC up there and bought him, like, a 20-piece chicken or whatever and uh, took it back to him. And he had, like, kids that he needed to feed, which is what his what his story was, and I gave it to him. And he was actually very grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. He took the food and he left, you know. Yeah. Yes, so we don't want to be so jaded. We can't help people. Yeah. Um, we don't because that's, you know, that's what Jesus would do would yeah. be to help those who, who he could help. Right. Um, yeah, but he didn't help everybody. That's the that's the thing. He wasn't picking and choosing. Um, he had his own own method. Right. Well, I, I've come to this point now where it's if you're gonna abuse what I give you, that's up to you, and you'll have to deal with the Lord about that. Yeah. But I'm not gonna refuse to help somebody just right. based on what they look like or you know where they're coming from. <laughs> now, if I just know you're trying to take advantage of me, okay. No, we're not doing that. But I. Me as as a person now can't just be like, well, I don't believe your story, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Right <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Um. Next number four on our countdown. Um. Why would we invite them to church? They don't have any money. Oh no. Yeah, I was actually told that <laughs> by a church member. At same thing with the food pantry. Um. I was like, was really trying to like talk about helping helping people That's, in need wow. and uh, being a great opportunity that you know I feel like we're supposed to go and meet people and introduce them to Christ and then invite them to the church family to you know to become part of that and yeah. so we use the whole invitation to church thing as as meaning evangelism but it's not it's an invitation to a gathering but. You know, it was like I was, you know, trying to talk to folks like, hey, this is a great opportunity to meet people who maybe don't don't attend a church or don't not part of a church family and and make a connection because we already have a connection. We're helping them. We're already giving them like something. We're yeah. showing them grace and mercy. Um, let's take that connect. Let's take that and build relationships out of it. And I had somebody who was uh, kind of a leader in the church actually come in and have a conversation about why would we invite them at the food pantry to come to church because they don't have any money. And I was like, you have, you, you're missing everything that I'm about. Um, you're, you're missing everything that I'm about. See, see, as a pastor, especially a pastor in, in the South, you know, you, I, I bet you've heard the term more times than you can count. Well, you can't make them mad pastor. They pay tithes. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I don't care if they pay tithes or not. If they're wrong, they're wrong. You know. Now I don't want to be that jerk that drives people away from church, but tithes don't buy your way into heaven. And nope. I mean, if 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 God says to do something and you don't do it because you don't want to tick somebody off that pays your church money, then I mean, it's it is what it is. It is what it is. You should charge admission to get into the church. Absolutely. Thanks, hey, Brad. The, the church I pastored in, in Arkansas was in a gambling community. And um, I, I was I was jokingly, I mean, yeah. I seriously was joking, hey, we should put slot machines in the church. And we could, you know, we could, we could make a lot of money that way. I bet you got in trouble. That's another. That. That's a reason that came up. This is this is a free one. This did not make the list. I had a phone call at that church. The church was. I had the same name as the famous uh, horse racing track in town, and our church had the same name uh, on it. And so, well, I got a call one uh, in December, and uh, the guy said, "Are you open 
on are you open on New Year's Eve? And I said, uh, what, do you, what do you mean are we open? Do you mean are we having services? He says, no, I mean, are you, are you open? I said, what exactly do you mean are you open? The slot machines. Are your slot machines open? And I said, oh, you called, the, I named the name of the church. I said, but you're probably looking for the, the racetrack and casino. And he's like, oh. I said, yeah, we don't have any slot machines at the church. And he said, well, why not? And I thought, you know, why not? We can make a, we can make a penny here. Uh, oh man! Do you hey. know how much backlash we would get? Oh, it wouldn't yeah. even be about was, the, the pastors. That was a joke, people. That was man. a joke. But, but yeah, I mean, really. Um, Good night, Annie. It's been because fun. I, I noticed something living there too. That the hot, that the people at the horse, they would they would park miles away, uh, not miles, but a mile up to a mile away to yeah. find somewhere to park. They would even pay for parking. Oh yeah. They would walk. And the women would be walking in their high heels and everything. The guys would be walking in their suits, dressed up. Um, they would even go in the rain if it was raining. They would go in. They'd pay to get in. They would take them. They they knew they knew the racetrack only wanted their money. Yeah. And they would go in and spend their whole day there, and yet complain about the church talking ever mentioning tithing and giving offerings. And I was like, wow. Okay, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Um, number three. Um, why don't you preach the sex sermon? You're the expert. <laughs> oh. It's not something you want to hear as a pastor. Yeah, I was an associate pastor actually. Um, and the pastor was doing a series. The pastor was doing a series. Um, this was in Florida, and he was doing a series on family, and yeah. um, and it had to do with all the relationships and everything in family. And there was one week that the topic was. Was was sex was sexuality, yeah. and um, or basically the relationship between husband and wife, and um, <laughs> he came. We were talking about the series and kind of setting it up, and uh, he goes, uh, and we have this week, and he's and he was kind of like, I don't know, I'm not really looking forward to this. And I was like, Well, why not? He's like, Well, it's it's you don't really you don't really talk about sex in church sex very talk, much. Man. And I said. Man, I've been a youth pastor, and this was—I was a youth pastor for like ten years, and I was like, you know, and I was there a few years, at this, or two years at this point. And I said, you know, as a youth pastor, it's something that we that we talk about all the time. It's like I've done numerous talks on sex, and then that's when he said, "Well, why don't you give the sex sermon since you're the expert?" And I turned out actually to give that sermon, and he actually entered. This was one of the the best introductions ever. He's like, folks, today we're continuing our series on the family, and. Um, the, the, the topic today is sex. So I'm not preaching today. Our resident expert, Pastor Steve, is going to come up. Resident and I was like, expert. what an introduction, man. Man, could you imagine being <laughs> a visitor at that church for oh, the first time ever? The that, first sermon you ever catch is about sex. There was a couple. And you also have a resident expert on staff. They, there just was, for sex. This was in Florida. This was in Florida. Within within a year, I would accept the position of a lead pastor of a church in Arkansas. That Sunday, there was a couple from the church in Arkansas visiting the church. <laughs> that was the introduction to me. The first time you come to a church, the sermon's about sex. And here's the resident expert. Ah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was a resident expert, um, but having been a youth pastor 10 years... Um, yeah, it was very, very much something we talked about. And um, I had parents, as a youth pastor, some parents who were mad that we talked about it. And some parents that thanked me that we talked about it. Well, um, it, it boils down to, I would rather 
talk to them about it in a safe environment where we can talk it out and talk about what's right and what's wrong, yeah. then them find out from experience and do the wrong thing and end up making a mistake. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think I would have rather had that sermon from a pastor who is seeming to be an expert in it than my grandmother because she's the one who taught the True Love Waits class. <laughs> and I was stuck in there with my three other friends with my grandmother. <laughs> You had the sex talk oh, with Grandma. I'm so that's sorry. That's amazing, Ariel. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. Your holiness is sexy. <laughs> I actually told you that? Yep. Yeah, in, in context. I gotta give you the con- Dude, the context makes all the difference. Yeah. So this was I was having lunch with a with a another youth pastor. Male, you know, another youth pastor friend of mine. You're we're, not helping yourself. We're both male. We're both happily married. We're both heterosexual. We're both, you know, nothing that. So, <laughs> what happened was, I was going through this season at the church I was at, um, <laughs> laughing at, <laughs> at the season at the se- that I was at, where I had been um, mentioned that it looks like this young lady had a crush on me. Oh yeah, you told and me that, story and that I was, and I was encouraging it. And I at first laughed because I thought, you know, my God, I could may have a crush on me. I'm a, I'm a nerd, you know, whatever. So actually, I went home to my wife and said, um, "Here's what's happening. I've been there's no accusations or anything. It's just I've been confronted that it, it looks like so and so has a crush on me, and it looks like I'm encouraging this. What do you do? You think she has a crush on me?" And she laughed, which doesn't do your ego any good when you think, "Is it possible that 16 year old girl has a crush on me?" And your wife is like. <laughs> Doesn't do your ego very good, but it turns out in hindsight she did. Um, not that it was like super like romantic. It, I think it was more of like a. And this is where the context of the the conversation comes in. I was talking to my youth pastor friend about this. Like, hey, I'm going through this, man, and um, I don't really know what, what to do with this. <laughs> and he's like, the problem is, is your holiness is sexy. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, it's Jesus is attractive. And so when you walk the holy life in front of people and you're a safe person, especially as, a, as an adult male, yeah. and you're safe to teenagers, maybe even maybe especially teenage girls, that there's a, there's a, he's like, it's not really the same kind of sexy as you think of with your wife. It's kind of sexy like, like you know, oh man, this is, I really like that shirt. It's sexy. It's like there's, a tra- there's an attraction to it. And um, so he says, your holiness is sexy, which is just a great line out of context. In context, yeah, it makes sense. It's that is ho- not holiness. what I thought that story Holiness is attractive. Honestly, yeah. And I don't know that I would have ever really worded it, hey, your holiness is sexy, but he did. And so there you go. Um, yeah. I never encountered that problem seeing as my youth pastor was my grandmother. <laughs> that attended my church. Was it was the my same brother. grandmother that gave you the sex talk? Yeah, gotta be. It is, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it man. is. Oh, man, that's funny. Wow. But I can see where you're coming from on that. Like, when, when you're a youth pastor, these kids. They see you as somebody comfortable. Yeah. They're safe. And, you know, sometimes they don't get that from their own parents or even their own relationships. And so, right. week in, week out, you're always teaching, and they see you doing these things. Well, he's got it all figured out. Right. You know, he must have it. So, I, what I need to do is I need to get comfortable. Yeah. And the so, the problem know. is there's so much brokenness. There's so much brokenness. We're recording a podcast, by the way. And... Uh, <laughs> That when somebody like has the appearance of, and you're, and you know, when you come to Christ, He does the work of 
of you know, I say fixing, but he does. He we, you come to Christ broken, and he puts you together. I mean, you're don't you don't stay broken, um, and so that is something that's attractive to people because they see all they see is brokenness. Um, but yeah, your holiness is sexy, is how my friend put it to me. So man, I just before we get into number one, I've been wondering about this one <laughs> for like seven hours. Dexter, I love you. Anyway, I have been. Really wondering what the context of this is. All right. So okay, here we go. Strange, the strangest things have been said to you as a pastor. This is my number one. This is the first thing I thought of. Hey, I was thinking about you while I was in the shower the other day. <laughs> so the first time I heard this, we we just had dinner with with Steve and Shelley, and I the the question that I asked was okay, but was it like a I was thinking about you when I was in the shower, or was it a Hey. hey, Steve. <laughs> Just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you while I was in the shower. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Batteries. Batteries getting low, so we got to finish this up. So let me get. Let me hit this one real quick. Um, yeah. So we have a friend, and uh, she was a close friend. She, her this family was really close friends with Shelly and I. I was their pastor. We became close friends. Um, she started to come in. She was doing lots of work around the church. So she was at the church a lot with uh, Shelly and I, always there. Um, and so when we were, I don't even know where, the, where, where it came from, but she like hit my arm and she goes, oh, wow. Do you shave your arm? So I've been, man. this is not like, for me, there's no shame in the game because I'm 50. I've been manscaping since I was 20. So see, it's 30 years. So all the, all the jokes and the, and the, and the laughter and stuff, that's 30 years ago to me that I, that oh, I put up man. with all the jokes. So I didn't need to know that. For now, it's like, yeah, like yeah, I shave, I shave my. Did you shave your? You shave your arm here? I'm like, yeah, I have for you know then whatever 20 years oh, now 30 years. And she's like, <laughs> wow. And so she decided she was going to do it herself. Like that, that felt better than her her arm to her. So she yeah. So she's like, decides she's going to shave her arm hair off. So then she goes, hey. I was thinking about you as I was in the shower the other day. I'm like, what? Ah, seriously. And she's like, well, you know, she's like, here, feel. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, man. So context means everything. So, yeah. But, yeah, you can't, you can say what you want to about manscaping. It wasn't even called manscaping. Somebody came up with that like 12 years ago. It was just called, hey. I just I'm, never thought that would yeah. be a topic for our church live stream. Why not, man? manscaping. Why not? <laughs> Hey, next next week let's do an all manscaping episode. Good. Hey, we're, the battery's running low. I'll miss that one. Say manscaping is one of them. Hey, I'm gonna do a whole series on manscaping. <laughs> it's not happening. It's not. <laughs> Backstage Bree is like, is he kidding? Or is he gonna tell the truth? We never know. To be honest with you, I really never know. Yeah. So the battery's dying, so we're going to wrap this up. So thanks for joining us for the Sunrise and Shine podcast. Hope this has made your day or your night or your whatever since you're listening. Um, we appreciate it. If you would like our podcast, subscribe it, share it. That would be awesome. We'd love to do that. And also, if you are in Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is where we try to promote mainly what we're doing, come join us at Awakened Church every Sunday at Parkway Cinema at 10 a.m.